you know you part you... and welcome to the glacially musical podcast it is beer metal and swearing of course i am nick cameron i'm joined by my good friend the queen of the mountain it's always winter where he is Kalise chakas how are we doing today Kalisi chakas how are we doing today oh i thought you said Kalise, and i was about to be like i hate you so much right now but Kalisi is also good burn them all what's Kalise? i don't even know what that is the rapper from atlanta who's dating bill murray oh okay i only know from, from i only know who Kalise is due to ted lasso Okay. Not the TV show, but the commercials and um, the MC Lars track, Dragon Blood, which is, is funny. A- I bring up MC Lars because that that's going to factor in a little later. There's but if here. you are here, of course, we are talking to Mega Ran this week, getting out of the metal comfort zone and into another niche sub genre, sub sub genre of music thank you for joining us here's how we do things real quick we have a beer check well i'm sorry we have a greeting we have a beer check a vinyl check news check which i think we're going to issue this week although i've got a small anecdote uh possible later podcast guest hear me out uh and then we get into the meat of the day and this week's meat of the day is an interview with the nerd rapper the chiptune artist mega Rand, one of the only people ever to be given the okay by capcom to sample all of their music ad nauseum. As for the beer check, this week I have a Missouri Mule IPA. It is 7%. I pour it right into my Michelob 1984 Olympics because it's a good day for America. Finger fudge down the middle. All righty, good pour. So I am not at home. Oh, God, it smells so good. I'm still on the road. I am at the uh, Ghost Cult East Coast headquarters. AKA oh, you're the... you're not at home? I'm not at home. Yeah, this is going to be a recurring theme. So I am at Omar Cordy's pad, the Ghost Cult HQ on the East I Coast. I was just going to point that out because you look like spectacular. You're vibing yes. in this cool like wooden den. And here I am in bright lights with my $14 Ikea light. Yeah, this is a $1,000 brand new Sony camera and a $3,000 lens that is not mine, it's his. Uh, This is a whole mood in here. His whole place is a vibe that far surpasses my metal vibes at my house. But here's the beer check. Omar, by the way, is straight edge. He doesn't have a beer glass. He doesn't have, he has alcohol for guests, but none, no beer. So I am gonna drink a Lagunitas IPA India Pale Ale. You know that I love the pales, and I'm going to drink it out of this McDonald's Grimace glass because why not? <laughs> I also, drink my tea out of uh, uh, McDonald's Garfield mugs. Also, check out this awesome Ghost Cult coaster. I'm going to bring you one oh. to St. Louis. Very so nice. That's my, that's my coaster. Pop it open. I don't know if you heard that with his mic. Probably not. Oh, I heard the crap out of that. Steal oh, that mic. I know. I need to get one. He has the fan. I don't think the mic's not showing up on camera here, but uh, it's fancy as F. Maybe for the next pod, I'll pull it into the shot a little better. But uh, cheers, sir. Cheers to cheers, Mega my Man. Friend. Cheers. Good to see you. Yeah. Oh, the YouTube happy hour. It's oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Not it's trust me, it's not as good as this. I've had that. All right. I discovered this at Randall's the other day. Always trying, looking for something new. I had never heard of Missouri Mule IPA. Of course, Missouri Mule, famous, all that business back when Missouri was a wonderful blue state for the, the for the Democrats. Uh, 
the Missouri Mule was everywhere. But if you don't mind, I'm going to do a vinyl check now. I got a quick two. This one, actually, I shouldn't be vinyl checking it, but I'm going to. Nameless Frames. It's an EP already inside Maxi Single by Super Secret Records. I've actually had this for a number of years, but I've never listened to it. I got this when I was getting all kinds of uh, records from Super Secret. It is a 10-inch, and it is they are... Um, Kind of a modern day punk band. Definitely worth checking out. I believe I reviewed the full length of theirs I've got. But my other record this week, this one I paid a mighty whopping eight bucks for, which is two times its title. It's just four by a foreigner. Get it? Eight dollars. This is an amazing copy. Uh, my wife was out of town last week doing work business. She was at a conference, and while she was at the conference, I got The Child a Nice Pair by Pink Floyd, which I discussed last week, and I got her Foreigner number four because she's been asking me recently, why don't we have this? And my response was, I thought we did have it, except that I bought Head Games twice. That is a tragic mistake. Yeah, Head Games is not as good. And I just tried to put the microphone, the fancy microphone with the glowy light bright colors into the shot and it made me look blurry. So in the interest of just seeing my fantastic face, no microphone in the shot this pod. However, well, we, got a, we got a good shot of your saber tooth beard this week. Yo, uh, Bay Area uh, beard products, man. I got to pl plug them a little. Uh, what you need really to helping. do is you need to go full on saber tooth and, and shave down the middle. No, just let it go. No, sir. Uh, so really quick, back in my the city of my birth for exactly 72 hours so far. And the last two nights, I saw two black metal shows. Incredible stuff. Sunday, welcome back to St. Vitus Bar. So Mismore, incredible new album, Prosaic, out now. Probably one of the best albums of the year. Other bands on that bill, Unrequited, and uh, a few others. And then last night, I saw Batushka. It's the Metal Blade Batushka, whichever Batushka side you're on. Also, Swallow the Sun and Storm Ruler. But I bought merch Sunday specifically for this vinyl check. So I got, it's not the newest record, uh, but uh, yeah, this is Funeral Leech's uh, Death Meditation. Look at this beautiful foil embossed. Oh, foil stamp. Nice. Now it is a gatefold with only one vinyl. Boo. Boo is right, but killing it's okay. trees, it kind of killing trees, and it's almost an EP. It's only six tracks, but it's black metal. A uh, great band, drummer. Uh, well, I mean, a six-track black metal record could easily be a quadruple set. That is, that's a fact. Let's just quickly. It came in a a slip sheet with the hype sticker on it. It came with a patch. It came with this cool card for their merch, and then hmm. here is the vinyl already in the mylar slash paper sleeve but the mylar and look at this guy i don't know what you would describe this vinyl as uh, i would describe that as smoky clear smoky clear so this is the smoky clear i'm super hype on this band i really wasn't familiar with them i'm not sure where to look at this camera but i'm not i'm not sure Here. i wasn't right too down familiar. the middle paul right, right down, down the middle. middle i was exactly i wasn't too familiar with them vaguely familiar with them but they were fan freaking tastic and um a lot of fun seeing a lot of love from the, my hometown after three years of being away really wonderful 
you know, give Keefe two seconds and he's going to mention New York three times. Would you like to know how many pieces of pizza I've eaten since I came back? Is that number Boston? It is not the number Boston. It is four. Wow. Oh, come on. It was funny. It was kind of funny. <sighs> Moving along. There's no laugh track here. I need you to work with me. It's not <laughs> funny. <laughs> Grimace glass. That's what I'm talking about. Look at how good this beer looks in the Grimace glass. Not really lit well enough, but it looks cool. Okay, uh, quick uh, shirt Pickies check. Out. I can't. This, this glass is too heavy. Uh, rocking my FM with IQ, my NPR member shirt. Support your local NPR stations if you can. I'm rocking carcass with Chakis. Hold that thought one second. So I have a suggestion. And what I learned is an online friend of mine his wife had dealings with Vinnie Vincent's alter ego on the internet, Meredith. Yikes. So Always Mer with the Vinnie Vincent, man. Always. Well, this isn't news. This is just something we're talking about while we're waiting for our guests to arrive. I mean, it's, it's, it's the thing I teased, but I wouldn't call it news. So my question is, does anybody besides me want to hear this story? Not me, but okay. I would have to think that there is a very rabid, though dwindling, number of people, maybe seven, that are chomping for this story. Thoughts? Not, I can't, yeah. I do know, I've known some people that have some alter egos, like fake profiles online, and... I'm not a fan. Social media is toxic enough. No, this is somebody who, this is before social media. Meredith right. was a character that Vinny created to run his customer service department. Okay. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's uh, okay. a very slippery slope to talk about this stuff. And it could be considered mm -hmm. slanderous. Oh, is this well known um, in the community of Vinny, Vincent, and Kiss? Do we care Meredith this much? Thing? Yeah. Like, is this everybody, everybody knows about, yeah, everybody, everybody knows, knows about, about this? Yeah. Oh. Meredith is not. That's not new. There goes our I, shot of ever having Vinny on as a guest, though, probably. Yeah, we don't I have I can't tell thousand. if you love this guy or hate him. I can't tell. Every week, you have another very negative story about Vinny Vincent. Like, it's tongue-in-cheek, but it's very, very aggressively negative. I don't care I don't, at all. I love Chris. I don't know that it's aggressively Vinny. negative. I'm just telling you what he's done, what he is doing. I put no spin... <clears throat> I'm not saying, oh, my God, listen to this stupid thing Vinnie Vincent did. I'm telling you what he's doing. He's presently having a rock festival, of which the name has changed three times, that is uh, featuring bands you could see without a cover in Nashville all night long, featuring the fifth listening party for his new record uh, for $300 entrance fee. It's poor. It's very poor. It looks a I bad mean, look for a guy who's been out of the, the public eye for a long time. Well, he's lowered the price. They used to be 500 mm -mm -mm. And he's going to get up and he's going to play a 45-minute long, completely out-of-the-nowhere guitar solo. By the way, I skipped my own shirt check. Um, oh, you know, you said carcass. Did I? Oh, I said carcass. You did. I, I forget my hat. I have a new hat on. Do you notice? Do you notice what no, it says? I, I can't read it. It's Reverend Mean Tooth, which is an associated band of Twenty Watt Tombstone, who you know we love. Mm, oh yeah. We need a. They're, we're gonna have Tom on as an as a future guest. 
There was seconds. an artist in St. Louis for a minute called uh, Reverend Whiskey Richard. Of course, did. they did the the whole Reverend thing. But I got to tell you, it was a good blues rock combo, and I don't think they exist anymore. Saw him play at a German restaurant that later became a it was a German restaurant that was transformed into a Mexican restaurant that was transformed into a bar and concert venue. Saw a left lane cruiser there, saw the Hooten Hollers there, saw Reverend James Leg there, of course. And they would be great because they would, oh, and uh, Vaudevillains out of Chicago, another good modern rock band. What would be great is these guys would show up on Stag Night and it would be like, I would invite everybody off Twitter that I knew in St. Louis. It's like, come with me, listen to some blues. It's Stag Night. They're like, what's Stag Night? It's 25 cent beers. So it would be, okay, I'm going to the bar. Who's ready? And everybody would raise their hand because we're all drunk. And I'd say, okay. And I'd come back with $5 worth of beer. And I'd be like, all right, everybody, somebody else get the next round. And we would have these epic beer walls. Because why wouldn't you? Mm. So, Is that like Sheena Easton sugar walls? No, this was Stag Beer, and I got to tell you, Stag Beer is a very lonely, lonely thing. That's better now, but back then, that's when it was uh, basically uh, piss water out of a shoe. Piss water out of a shoe, ladies and gentlemen. That's your hashtag for today's show. We probably should have like a word of the day or a hashtag of the day. Eat your own butt. Eat your own butt is also an exceptional one. Oh, Definitely I one of my uh, favorite ones. I, uh, I I have renamed the sidekick to Captain Actually. Oh, really? What is it's it now? It's Captain Actually and Corporal Mansplain. Hey, that's not better. It's not? It's All not right. better. Captain Actually and Sergeant, I don't know. Fair enough. Or is that real? It's also a good one. Okay. They're all pretty yeah. good. You have anything else you need to get off your chest right away? I mean, you know, you're tired of hearing about me being back east. Um, I mean, if you got if you got stories, I'm listening. I'm trying to craft some stories. Um, Mm. Let us see. Um, It is like the week of '90s band interviews for me. I interviewed uh, Kevin Martin of Candlebox Monday, and I'm interviewing Will Turpin of Collective Soul on Thursday, and we're covering Candlebox was just here. Yeah, they were just there. And he I think he was in St. Louis the day I talked to him and he had a good time in the city. And, you know, they're retiring. Farewell album, probably farewell tour. Collective Soul is going on and on. They have a recent album out also. So good times. I'm always a big fan. Collective Soul, the unsung heroes of both Woodstock 94 and 99. And Candlebox probably un probably not doesn't get mentioned not nearly enough with uh enough respect i think i will just tell you that i heard far behind too many times you definitely have kevin has too he'll tell you oh i'm Um, sure i and you know that's i feel bad for a lot of artists in that time because at that time rock music was still top 40 music and it, it this shift from top 40 being a multitude of genres into a genre was slow but when it was the multitude of genres, it was still a meat grinder. So Candlebox, Collective Soul, you know, Brother Kane, there was a genre of music that was southernish, grungish, 
stuff that was coming in. It was it was the first wave of post grunge, and Silverchair I would also throw into that into that group as well. And those guys all just got eaten up and spat out. They were three eleven without the long running fan base going leading up to it. That's not if you don't mind me pontif. If you don't mind me pontificating on yeah yeah that's nineties rock. That's quite a pontification. Uh, I feel like 311 is like the more talented Smash Mouth. They're you know, better... The thing about 311, though, is they built up a fan base like The Urge did on the road. And I heard, and I was at Steve's Hot Dogs last week, got a great dog. And I had heard the name 311, kind of like Red Hot Chili Peppers. I had heard those names long before I heard their music. Same with Tori Amos, you know, a lot of those artists. Candlebox didn't have that. Everclear didn't have that. Silverchair didn't have that. And that's why those groups just got can crush. They came in, they dropped their soda, they crushed the can, and next group. I like that you said Tori Amos, like anus. And I'm, I? I like saying Tori Amos, like Dolby Atmos. Oh. Uh, pronunciations are a thing. Um, I don't know how she says it. I probably mm. haven't, you know, I don't know. I think she's probably wonderful and wouldn't correct anybody if they got it wrong. I think it is time we now introduce our guest. All righty. Hey. Oh, my God. Welcome. We are joined by a legend of the industry. Ca- nearly a captain of industry, but he wasn't on that song. Somebody from the nerd rap game, somebody I have loved and enjoyed since uh, watching the night I watched his Philadelphia Phillies get crushed by the St. Louis Cardinals in game five of the uh, NLDS. Sorry, that was when it cemented my my personal sports uh, superstition of RBI, uh, IPAs for the win. Uh, my Somebody who... I don't know. Big glow up. We are joined on honored to be so joined by Mega Ran, formerly random, all the things. How are we doing today? I'm so good, man. How are you? It is. Well, it's Tuesday here in St. Louis and it's only 75 and not 868. So mm-hmm. spectacular. Yeah. I, li- I like how all in you went on the sports thing when as like a New York guy, I wasn't even going to bring up the Eagles like this guy's terrible. I love you. But like, wow, what a start. Uh, welcome. <laughs> Mega hey, Man, that was a honor. big night. I blame that night for cementing IPA FTW, which is what caused the Cardinal or which what caused the Blues to win the Stanley Cup in 2019. So eight years later, it all checked out. Fair enough. How you doing, Sorry. man? Great to I see love you. It. Oh man, it's good to see you too. How you been? Wonderful. We're we're having a couple of beers, and that's what we do here: beer, metal, and swearing, but other stuff too. So it's nice. really a thrill to get to chat with you. Um, <laughs> thank you uh, for those that don't know. Ghost Cult premiered your new video, uh, which was uh, just amazing. Uh, you know, because we don't have metal in our website name, <laughs> I can do things that are not just metal and rock, which is very cool for me. And uh, we've done stuff along the way with Kosha Dills and Whitney Payton, who has worked with you and is on your new record and people like that. So it's a thrill for me to branch out and do other stuff. And then here at Glacially Musical, even though metal is in our tagline, we have done stuff. We just did the Muppets vinyl album review and stuff like that. So like, I like to think that we are a little more deep than just like straight ahead blockhead stuff. 
I mean, I in fairness, that, that Muppets record was good. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I mean, we how are. Could it, how could it Go not ahead. be? Well, was it a surprise to you? I mean, did you not expect it to be? No, I've also got, uh, I mean, I love Electric Mayhem going back to my childhood, going way, way back to my childhood. And I have an English copy, and I only say that to sound pretentious, of the Muppets movie soundtrack. And I only have the English version because that's just what they had at the store. I didn't even know. So mm. which, so I'm bringing myself back a little bit. We are very <laughs> vinyl focused, obviously. I have nice. several of your records that I have bought over the years. Uh, I assume that you remember every time you sent me something. If not, I'm insulted. Oh, of course. Absolutely. I mean, you signed <laughs> one to me. So, I mean, didn't have my name on it, but I mean, that's fine. Oh, man. Next time I will certainly have your name on it. before we get going too deep because i want to definitely talk about your new record i want to talk about several songs of yours over the years that i have just really dug into and i want to hear more about them uh my good friend keithy is from new york uh give him three seconds he'll tell you he also lived in boston give him four seconds he'll tell you that he grew up around you know when a lot more in you know the beastie boys era the run dmc era he kind of missed out on kind of the nerdy stuff. An old friend of uh, so before we get even to that, let's talk about your new record. It is a kids album off air. Keefe and I were discussing a little bit. I listened to it this morning on the way to work it for before we get too deep. It is the perfect length for an album of its type. A lot of album like in the 90s, one of the things we discussed frequently is that albums got too long. They went from 30 to 45 to 60 to 80. Yeah. And as much as I love Onyx, as much as I love Snoop Dogg, those records did not need to be 80 minutes. There was no, a lot of I, fat it, to cut. It was a different time where people were taking three, four years between releases, too. You know, so maybe feeling like you had to kind of hold the audience over for that long maybe was a part of it. I don't know. But it, it's it's all genres of music. Once they went from, oh, 45 minutes is the standard to Oh, regular price is now 80. Mm. Well, maybe we can fill it and maybe we shouldn't. But nobody thought that second one. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Um, I do like that nowadays release shorter projects, um, particularly with a kid's album, though. You never want to go too long for kids and their attention spans. Um, I used to be a teacher. So teaching kids of all ages, even adults, we learned that it, it, too long, it, it can you can lose some interest. So I tried to make sure these songs had great movements. They they were all over the place. New instruments, new things popping up by the third verse or the third stanza that you didn't hear in the beginning. Uh, so yeah, it was very important to me to make sure that this thing was just like a hit it and quit it type of situation. You are definitely not the first nerd rapper to make a kid's album. What made you decide now was the right time? Well, I became a father for the first time. And I think that... That'll affect it for sure. I think being um, being that I wanted to play music for him in the house and I started playing a lot of kids music for him. And, you know, I, I was I was a little bit misquoted by our, our local paper that said that I thought children's music stunk. And uh, I didn't think that children's music stinks. I just felt like a lot of it. Yeah, you know, I felt like a lot of it just didn't have enough substance. And, and there and there is a a bit of a an art to making something that can be both catchy and have some sort of, you know, meaning and something that'll stick to your ribs. So, so yeah, maybe they're not necessarily trying to do that, 
you know, so it just wasn't for me a lot of it. So I was trying to make music that would be fun as well as a little educational, as well as teach you something about yourself and make you want to be a better person, but most importantly, fun. And uh, and I think that we did that with the new album, but it, I, it was I would not com- easy. Completely agree. I just want to let Keefe say his line. What you said about this record as we were discussing it before before Mega joined us. Oh, there's there's so much to unpack, but I wanted to say like I what I love about this record is it's teachy but not preachy. And I think Ooh. that's gonna really resonate. You teach the children by teaching their parents. I love the whole approach. Uh I will tell you also, like, I don't want to make excuses for Wu Tang and my bias of New York, but their longer records is because they have sketches and skits and things. Oh, that's um, true. That's why uh, I'm not counting the double record. Yeah, so did Onyx, so did Snoop. I mean, they all yeah. do that. I, mean, I think the only real, skit. yeah, everybody had skits. I think the law, uh, even you know, Cypress. I think I was going to say Black Sunday just hit an anniversary of like mm-hmm. 25, you know, 20 something year, 25, yeah. 28 years. And I was going to say that record is long and they were allowed to go long on that record, but um, that's a single sided guy. But uh, yeah, I love, I love the whole vibe of the record and it really, I'm not a parent. But if I was, I would want children to hear this. And I will say, I just took a very uncomfortable, miserable Greyhound bus ride from Scranton, Pennsylvania to New York City this weekend as I'm back in the Bronx in my hometown for Mm -hmm. a week. And uh, I I had to hear, I had, you know it, I had to hear Baby Shark over my shoulder from Ah. neglectful parents who let their toddler run up and down the aisle of the bus. Funny story. Baby Shark was my daughter's hockey's theme song in a tournament at Notre Dame. Wow. They were only, it was 8U, so they were 7 and 8. Wow. So it, it was okay. right at the right time. The whole time they're like getting ready for a game, they're singing Baby Shark, oh, which I am contractually not allowed to sing because I can't get the doo-doos right. So <laughs> That's funny. I, I referenced Baby Shark in, in a song on here, but um, mainly because, and my kid doesn't even like it that much, but I, I remember really, I think I heard it before we even had a kid and we were like, what what is this like i'll just why why did this why is this is more another right. question I that is ask. exactly my question about most kids music why is this what does yeah. the fox say i don't care don't i don't do care. like the korean fire drill version of it but they dropped f-bombs in it and double oh, beat and double and double blast beats so <laughs> all right fair enough so, uh yeah I, I know you name drop raffi also which is cool what other you know, uh, what music does your child appreciate and what other children's artists did you listen to getting ready to make this record? Man, I listened to so much stuff, but uh, from Rafi, of course, uh, to current stuff, Coco Melon. My kid is big into this show called Coco Melon, and they do a lot of they do a good job of uh, of inserting, you know, good character stuff as well as just catchy silliness. Um uh, Snoop Dogg has a children's album, so I, I listen to that. Um, I listen to just a lot of classic, you know, nursery rhymes and things that I was like, okay, maybe I can remix a lot of this to um, to maybe bring it up to date a little bit. Um, what else? I heard. Uh, oh, a very good friend of mine, uh, Secret Agent Twenty Three Skidoo, uh, who won a Grammy for Best Children's Album in twenty seventeen, is incredible at bringing hip-hop showmanship of like a live broadway show to uh to a, a children's album and he's in an incredible job uh let's do these this group called the alphabet rockers they do a lot of really good old school 
uh, good character based hip hop stuff. Um, man, I listen to so much. And um, the problem with some listening to so much is like you find yourself maybe getting inspired accidentally, you know, so you're like, oh, man, I don't want to do this too much. So right before I started recording, I was like, all right, I'm cutting off all this stuff, not listening to anything. Let's just get in the studio and work on what we're working on. And um, and I had a really hard time getting started. Like I was just like, man, I sat for a lot of days just with nothing being like, oh, man, what if I don't what if I can't do this? You know, like making a children's record is not as easy as it sounds. So, you know, I've, I've already been making traditional hip hop for so long. Like maybe what if that's just where I should be? Like I started hearing the doubts in my mind. Like what if people think this sucks, you know? And, uh, and I, I was really holding myself to a high standard of, of being a rapper. We're trying to like be catchy, be, be witty, be verbose, say things in ways they haven't been said. I mean, you know, what can you say? that Wu-Tang hasn't said, you know, or what can you do that Snoop Dogg hasn't done, you know? So I found myself like really hitting a wall, but being like, this can't be corny. It can't be hokey. It can't be, you know, whatever. But then I realized like, eh, it kind of can be, and maybe should be a little hokey. So basically I, I set a challenge to myself. Like if these songs have to make me smile at some point in the song, it has to make me want to smile. And if it does, then I like it. <laughs> Before that I is a spec. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, sorry to cut you off, Nick. Just before I pass it back to Nick, I just wanted to say, I also got a vibe. I love that you, that answer is amazing. I love this stuff. I was wondering as a probably an East Coast person, were you a PBS kid? And did you ever watch like 321 Contact and Electric yes. Company? Or is that a little before you? No, absolutely. 321 Contact. I think it came on right after Sesame Street. Train whistle. Uh, electric Company. Oh, yeah. This is my this is my train whistle for when I... um. When I'm on Twitch and we do a we do a hype train, we go. No, you my, can hit it. My, I want to hear one. I, my my kid loves that. So then we'd. Well, I, I used start to sell those. To I worked songs. at the Great Trains and I sold those things. Really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, so yeah, three, two, one, contact, uh, electric company, all that stuff. Mister Rogers, like man, my our childhood gonna, was was pretty great. I'm just gonna point out we had that in the Midwest too. Yeah, all those shows. I mean, we stopped school to watch those shows. Oh, did you TV. have the um, did you have the Great Space Coaster? You familiar with that? Or maybe I remember before, that, that but I time. didn't. I don't. I don't remember. I don't think I watched it at real time. But I remember specifically in when I went to Henry School, Henry Elementary in Baldwin, Missouri. Hmm. We um, at nine thirty, we would be brought into the Great. We didn't have like a gymnasium because it was an elementary school. But there was a great open space, and we would all come in and watch Electric Company. Oh, nice! And that was the highlight of my day in first grade. Wow! Oh, that's Which pretty awesome. All I re I remember that and the caterpillar that mm. died when it went into the cocoon. For some reason, we couldn't make it turn into a butterfly. I don't oh. know. Oh man! Did you just yeah, reference I, the I, hungry little caterpillar? <laughs> no, but that is actually one of the things I read my daughter frequently in one yeah. of the, one of the books and during our move that we cried about. Because we no longer require it. And, oh. you know, I, I knew, you know, you, you becoming a father had a lot to do with making kids album. And I'm exceedingly envious that you were able to do that kind of a love note into the future that I could not do. I tried like writing my daughter letters when she was in utero. Mm -hmm. However, I lost them all. So I, I scooch on that one. But I mean, I, when you when you talk about kids music for her i got yelled at a lot because 
my wife, my and my in-laws and would all play her, you know, the 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 normal kids music. And I'm like, no, let's listen to Slayer, Black Sabbath and Napalm Death. Uh, it stuck for a minute, but now she's off it. Now she's on the Beatles. But okay. I, I, I greatly one of the things I liked about this record was when you said it, if it had to make you smile. All the songs made me smile. I was actually having a very stressful morning driving into the office today. And I almost got into a wreck because when I leave my alleyway, not, I mean, it would have been a fender bender. I would have been a scratch, but an Mm -hmm. inconvenience. And that's when, as I was pulling into the parking lot to leave, that's when I heard it's going to be a good day. (laughs) And that song just put a lovely smile on my face. I especially loved the celebrating my friends song as, as somebody who is married to a very high powered woman who is far more successful than me. That is something that really spoke to me personally mm-hmm. and the bully song. We talked about that one quite a bit. It's I loved the fact that this album was a bit more old school mm-hmm. than your standard music. It wasn't, you know, the, I didn't notice any chip tunes. Yeah. There was a lot more singing rather than standard rapping. There was a lot of like childlike repetition, which I thought was a nice touch, kind of like Teletubbies, which I watched during my second childhood in my 20s because I had a weird childhood. And it, I, all in all, it was the subject matter was very similar to what you normally do in my in my opinion, hmm. but completely generalized to a way that makes more sense to somebody with a lot less experience. Okay. That makes sense. I I appreciate you for pointing that out. I felt like someone asked me in an interview, like how, you know, how different is this for you to do this or something like that? Like, well, isn't it, are you worried about how people are going to receive you making a children's album as opposed to regular rap? And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if maybe you've listened to my stuff before, but uh, I've been a nerdy rap guy who makes clean rap music for 15 years. So this isn't that far out of the wheelhouse for a guy like myself. So it's mainly, like you said, taking those concepts that I've been discussing, like be awesome to people and be a great person and and celebrate your friends and don't be a jerk and turning those into, into kids records. It was not that difficult, you know? Uh, the execution was difficult, but the concepts were not like being able to take stuff that a child would get like counting for the first song uh, or let's have a good day for another song. But then taking like, all right, now, what if when that kid gets older and they want to listen to this and pull something from it? So how about uh, the importance of spelling people's names correctly or the as somebody with a name that spelled funny? Thank yeah. you. How about that? You know, I have like, not figured out how to politely say you're spelling my name wrong, Matt. We've worked together for three years. Come on. You got to play that song for him then. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's that like taking these things, these character traits. That was when, when I taught middle school. It was like my favorite uh, subject to teach is we did character ed for the first 30 minutes of every day where it was just like, here's how to be a good person. Like, forget this school stuff. But when you walk outside, we need to teach you how to not get shot. You know what I mean? Like to not get someone so angry that they want to hurt you, you know? And so that's where we talk, like we talk about integrity and like things like that. Like 
here's how you speak to people. Here's how, what you do when people aren't looking, you know, and things like that. And um, so that's really what was my favorite part of the day is to be able to teach these kids how to be great adults or great humans. And uh, and that's what I'm hoping that the record has a little bit of. And on top of it, some some catchy sprinkles on the top. But ultimately, I want people to think about what kind of humans they are when they listen to it. I love that. I, I would describe this record as kind of Warner Brothers humor, hmm. where there's something for the kid and the adult listening to it, especially somebody like me who's been listening to you for a while. And so which may it it made my my commute a little bouncy and a little joyful today. And I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you for that. Aww, but if where can where can this be pre-ordered? Oh, yeah. You can pre-order it on my website, which is megaranmusic.com. Um, there are pre-save links there as on megaran.com as well if you're into digital stuff, um, streaming. Um, there's also vinyl coming with cool little colorful sprinkles all over it. Yeah, I know you like vinyl, so that's for you. We got cassettes, we have CDs, and uh, of course, digital. So all that is on my website at megaran.com. Awesome. We will definitely put a link to that in all the places. And for the record, I've only got 1,103 records. Wow. You've counted yeah. them. <laughs> uh, uh, about six years, well, uh, several years ago, I realized, oh my God, this is getting big and some of these are expensive. So I discussed with our insurance agent what to do. So I use, actually it's 1105 because I forgot to put in the last two. Mm. So I use Discogs to that I purchased. Wow. So I have a, uh, I've always got an up-to-date count. I'm not sure if the Christmas records are in the, the list though. And my child's records are not because I got her onto vinyl. So she has almost 30 now. So I feel bad for her. Ladies oh, wow. and gentlemen, welcome to Nick and Keith Overshare with a guest. Hello. <laughs> um, no, it's fine. Uh, it's Overshare is better than over-talking. That's also true. That's also yeah. true. We're, we're getting better. We're getting better. Okay. Uh, Nick, I, need, I gotta know, Nick, what's what's the most valuable record you got? The most the valuable record, record I have. Discog shows you the value, right? Okay. Or what, what they're going for. Now, okay. What band do you think it would be? Just throw out a band. The Beatles. No. I have several, we have several Beatles records. Most of them are about $8 because they sold 450 million of everything. Yeah. The most valuable record I have is the first album by a, what would you call Guar? Keefe? Uh, I, mean, I mean metal. At the okay. Metal. Yes. I started as punks. My most valuable record is Guar's debut record, which has only been released twice on vinyl two pressings by shimmy disc one with a blue label one with a red label and once on cd by metal blade so even the cd is valuable what makes it valuable is that it's very rare because the band disowned the record not long into their career so never repressed in any way so far so far i don't think it's ever coming i would have come by now i feel like yeah maybe would have happened but never say never never i also would think that Molly Crew would repress their self-titled record oh, because gosh. it goes for five hundred dollars on Discogs. I know. Let's mm-hmm. not talk about them. I don't uh, have one. I know. I have no Motley Crew on vinyl. But let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. How do you listen to music? What's your number one go-to to hear something? You're, you know, obviously it's your life. Man, you I hate this. Collect and listen to music. I love vinyl. Um, so every day, usually, even with the kid, 
we'll sit down and put put on a record for a little bit, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes just to play him something that he's never heard before. Um, but like and when it comes to day to day listening, like I hate to say it, but Spotify is like just super convenient, you know. And so I understand why everybody does it, you know, and I was I was old school. I was I feel like I'll be the last person to kind of give in to streaming. You know, I was just like, no, nope, you, you won't be the last. No, no, I'm sure there's still people who haven't yet. But yo, yeah, <laughs> I, but I remember iTunes being like, yeah, right. You want me to pay for a song that I can't own, that I can't read the liner notes whenever I feel like it. This is ridiculous. And and now I'm at the same thing with Spotify, but you just can't beat the convenience of it. You know, so it, but it, but if I hear something I really enjoy, I go and buy the vinyl. Like that's usually what happens with me. So it is it's more of a preview system for me. It isn't like my sole source of hearing whatever I like. I'll that is it. exactly how my kid describes it. She routinely mm. defends Spotify to me. And I explain they don't pay the artists enough. And she's like, What do you mean? And then I explain all the sales figures and streams and her eyes glaze over. I don't care. I don't care. Can we just go to the record store? I guess. Yeah. No one cares, unfortunately. I know. The artists I, don't get paid I enough. care. I mean, I <laughs> when I I interviewed James Leg one time, and you know, he described, you know, we don't really get royalties, but I'm not asking to be rich, but I just want to be comfortable. This is a hard life. Yeah. You know, he he. I mean, it was one of those road dog tour touring artists where he plays to 15, 20 people a night most nights which is unfortunate because he's amazing, especially if you like electric piano blues, which no one does, mm. but I do. And so I, I, and that's one of the things I, I told her, this is why I buy vinyl because the way I understand it, and I very well could be corrected momentarily. The artist makes the most money off of a vinyl sale. And that's, <clears throat> that's what I do. And then I that's create true. It also costs us the most money to print these days. Well, yes, <laughs> yes. You know, uh, so... I mean, I, yeah, I'm almost created, paying, I, I don't know, I think probably half the retail price is what I pay. I actually to print looked a vinyl, into, which is a lot. <laughs> I, I looked into pressing, doing a financing a vinyl run for a friend of mine because I loved that album so badly that I wanted to have it on vinyl. I did buy it on CD, one of the rare CD purchases I've made in the past 10 years. Nice. But we looked into it and went, huh, this is going to cost me. I mean, how many are you going to sell? He's like, not that many. Hmm. So how much is this going to cost me? Oh, crap. I looked at it and I went, well, we pressed 300. It's not so bad. Will you sell 300? No, I will not. No, that's oh. what, yeah, I've been talked out of by a lot of people doing vinyl because they're like, oh, you're just going to leave it sitting up. It's going to pile up in your garage somewhere, you know, which is part of the reason why I tour so hard is that, you know, touring is the best way to to kind of get rid of those things is that, you know, you, you play a good show people who hopefully want to buy that stuff uh but yeah if you're not touring heavy do not order a thousand pieces of vinyl <laughs> like, <laughs> um no it's it's not gonna happen well yeah, and that's uh, one of the things that we say frequently is when you go to a show try to get something if you can even if it's yeah, a sticker it's important yeah. you know a frequent topic for us is metallica because metallica and uh i'm definitely in the lars was right camp about streaming and stealing uh i would like to see the artists get paid more spotify raised their rates and did none of that money went to artists um you know of course daniel Eck, the ceo was one of the founders of the pirate bay 
what a surprise. Of course. Um, and it was a coder for Napster in the, in the uh, later Napster days. But yeah, this, I'm the same. Actually, I was going to ask you about your opinion about SoundCloud, because even my ex-girlfriend's teenage rapper son, rapper and producer, uh, C-O-D-Y with a Y at the end, uh, Cody, he's got like hundreds of songs on SoundCloud in just a few years. So I do feel like SoundCloud is like the populist site especially for rap and maybe indie rock where pe- and oh, they're yeah. starting to pay people. Right. And then yeah, they, for a little they've started to pay people. I love Bandcamp. It's probably my favorite place to go um, because they're, they're paying the most, you know, they've done even during the pandemic, they were, they do Bandcamp Fridays where they wouldn't even keep a cut of anything that artists made, you know, like Spotify yeah. could just take, they I could actually take bought day. ages on the first Bandcamp Friday. Nice. Thank you. You know, Spotify could take one day out of the year and be like, all right, we're just not going to take a cut, you know, like just just a day. But they won't. Instead, they they say, well, what they did for us during the pandemic was they allowed us to put our cash app on our Spotify <laughs> <laughs> profile so you can beg for money using our platform. Oh, uh, lovely. That's always yeah, that's that was a nice. Great look. Great look. That was nice. And, I, and but, I think, you know, I, let me just chime in finally and say that I think Amazon music and YouTube music are going to be big players going forward. Although I don't love what YouTube has done recently with some of their other platforms where they're taking links out of comments. I get that there's too many spammers and people directing mm-hmm. people away from to harmful stuff. But at the same time, links is how art links in a comment, which doesn't exist on some platforms like Instagram, you know, they're really not doable mm-hmm. in some platforms. Uh, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a shame that's happening. But I do feel like more people are adapting to Amazon Music and YouTube Music, I got to say, as a platform, as a user on your mobile is amazing. I know I just mm. sounded like a dad saying mobile. But anyway, I work with mobile a lot of Brits. I'm mobile. I work with a lot of Brits. So they, I don't know if they still say handy for the cell phone. Whoa, it also whoa, sounds whoa, inappropriate. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, slow down. Whoa. It's a kid you know, show. That's funny. I just had a friend of mine um, tell me that he was creating a uh, a nerdcore playlist for for Amazon Music. Like they they specifically asked him to do it, and I was like, man, nobody uses Amazon. He's like, well, they pay more than everybody, you know. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe I need to use it, hmm. you know. So I really do hope that you know the sites that pay the most, you know, get the most traffic, like because. Yeah, like if the if the people want to support the artists, I think they do deserve to have the information to know how what's the best way to do so. You know? Completely, completely agree with that. Let me just say to Keefe, I am in the camp that Lars was right about Lulu. Why, dude? Why? Why? Anyway, open the door. I'm coming in. Open the door. I'm coming in. I guess. Do we have anything else of substance yes, for our, I do. our esteemed you have, guest? You have, you have talked over track. what I'm going to say. Thank you. All right. I, I wanted to ask you about a couple of songs. I'm going to leave it to three okay. because we are, I don't want to go on for thousands of hours because dinner is close. Let's start with uh, one of my favorite songs of yours. I'm probably going to get the title wrong because I don't look at titles. I look at mostly entire pieces of music, but double A's off of ages. Ooh. Nice. That is, I mean, there's some better, probably songs I like better on that one, like the the wrestling song. <laughs> Love yes. that one with uh, that's with uh, uh, Austin Creed. Yes, yes, thank you. But the double A song is something. Whenever I hear that song, I am reminded of myself walking around with my Walkman that I 
had a sticker, a Ghostbusters sticker on, except that it wasn't a sticker. It was actually uh, from a newspaper. It was the Ghostbusters logo from the newspaper that I cut out of the newspaper and scotch taped to the front of my Walkman. And I can remember specifically, because that was obviously the cassette era, and hearing you talking about, I need to hear my songs, I need the double A's. I can remember when the double A's would be down so low that the radio would work, but it wouldn't move the yes. sprockets. Yes. Oh my god. Tell gosh. me a little bit more about that song that I don't know. Wow, the memories. Um, yeah, the very first thing I bought with my own money was a Walkman. Um, it was a Sony Sports Walkman. I don't know if you yellow. remember those. I, yellow, like the, yellow, the yellow oh, yeah. one. Yellow had it, it uh, snap, closed, closed up. It was waterproof, but water I don't resistant. Trust that. I don't think it was waterproof. Wow. And then it had the special headphones that went. It was the first inner ear headphones. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I was I was on top of the world. You wow. Know? You had a nice one. I had a knockoff. <laughs> I think I had a magnet box or a Sorny. I think <laughs> magnet box. I think my mom bought me maybe a, a an off-brand one, but the first one I spent my own money on mm-hmm. was a sports walkman. And I was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. And with the auto reverse, I could oh, I didn't have to take I the never, cape I never out. had that. So you didn't even have to take the cassette out to play the other side. I was like, this is life. Like this is the beginning. This is it. Like nothing's get better than this. And um I just like I think that's where my love for music came from. People called started calling me Radio Rahim because I was just constantly <laughs> walking around with tunes and uh and when i couldn't buy the new songs or whatever we'd make mixtapes we go buy the new maxell 90 minute cassettes or tdk for a buck down at the store and i would just sit my recorder next to the television and record mtv whatever they were playing i just didn't care i just sat the recorder there and were just filmed and just recorded and um and then the other side i would record my video game tunes so whatever songs that were playing on the games, Mega Man was my favorite because you could play the music. Once you, once you pause the game, the music kept playing. So I was able to still get my music in without like messing up my game. And uh, so one side would be whatever the top 10 was on MTV. And the other side was my video game tunes. And I was just in my zone. And that that kept me away from bullies. That kept me away from troublemakers. That That was my entire life was was that walkman and yeah so if those if those double a's didn't get replenished like that life was over as far as i knew it at that age so uh so yeah that man double a that that song is so important to me because it takes me right back to riding my bike to the corner store maybe going too far my mom's saying just go around the corner and i'm going way too far to go and get extra batteries for the walkman because Without my tunes, I'm going to have a bad day. (laughs) That whenever I hear that, it takes me specifically to walking past the bench on the third line, third baseline side of the softball fields where I lived in in junior high and high school. That Mm. is just where it puts me walking back from going to church. I I don't know why specifically that, but that's where it hits me. Uh, The next couple of songs I want to talk to you about are collaborations. Uh, the first one is Protoculture version two. I, my, my, one of my friends from back in the nineties, early aughts owned, interestingly enough, a video game store. 
where I bought all my video games, where I bought my import games, where I bought my Sega Dreamcast, where all that, all that. Well, no, I didn't buy any consoles from him because it was cheaper to go to, to Babbage's. But I remember him saying, you know, Dell the, the Funky Homo Sapien. This is somebody you need to check out. He's got a song all about video games, protoculture, which is great. And then he's got a song, you know, he's got all these little lines here like, oh, I flunked out of high school because I played Turbo Graphics. <laughs> when you redid or updated, rebooted, we'll call it reboot, rebooted protoculture version two i i mean that about killed me i loved that i i wish it was on an album that i could buy the whole album because i don't like buying seven inch which i know it exists but talk to me about oh it is it's on ages two it is is that out it is uh we i don't have vinyl for that but ages yeah, volume know. two went, came out i only buy vinyl 21 I'm, so that... i'm like moog from from muppets or from electric <laughs> mayhem okay yeah i think um you know that song did it all for me it was it's arguably the first like nerdcore song um it's it really started a lot of people's path you know rapping about video games which is you know it was this song protoculture um during pandemic it's probably the the greatest thing that happened to me during the pandemic is that home no one could leave and um and i just happened to tweet man if somebody could get me in touch with del the funky homo sapien <laughs> i have the greatest idea and he just responded like, what's up? And I was like, what, what, uh, what, you know? And he he responded and a friend of mine was like, then he didn't say anything else. Like I DM'd him or something. He didn't respond. Um, but a friend of mine was like, well, you know, I, I know I have his phone number and I don't know if he'll mind if you message him, but, uh, but I'll give it to you. And he's like, you gotta know, but he's like a, He's like a mountain man. He's like a loner. He's like a very mysterious man. And he doesn't come out of the house much. Uh, I don't know if he's going to even talk to you, but it's worth a try. And I'm like, I want to update his song. It was a 20 year anniversary. It came out in 2000. It was 2020. And I just really want to update his song. And so I remade his beat, the original beat he did. And uh, and I wanted to just let him hear it. And, uh, and I was just going to rap it and then maybe just get him to be like, give me a, a shout out just to approve it, you know, like just, that's all. I just wanted him to hear it and approve it. And, uh, and when I finally got in touch with him, I started texting him and we just started talking like we had known each other for years. We just started talking about video games and what he's been playing lately and all that. And, uh, I, was, and I waited like two weeks to be like, Hey, uh, so Dell, I got this idea. And he's like, what? And I'm like, you don't remember that song protoculture, right? It's like, Oh yeah, yeah. That song was fun. And I was like, so check this out. And so I sent him, my version of protoculture it wasn't done and uh and he was like yo this is great oh my gosh he's like hold hold on and i swear like a day later he sent me like lyrics on this song and i'm like whoa like i didn't even have to ask him to i was just like i was just, you know wondering he's like oh man i got you here you go and just like wrote lyrics to on the song and was like just such a great sport when agreed to put out a vinyl for it and just was like, and yeah, like that's like my hero when it comes to like underground rap. Like he's the guy who started so much of this, like, you know, he's a lot of people's introduction to rap. I mean, from him being on the Tony Hawk soundtrack, you know, where, uh, where like, I think a lot of, I don't know if people give a lot of credit to it, but Tony Hawk's pro skater really put the punk kids the metal kids, the rap kids, all in the same place 
and it opened all of our minds at the same time. I mean, Goldfinger next to Public Enemy. Like, I mean, I was just like, what is happening right now? You know, not so, for me, because all I did was play Bring the Noise by Anthrax and Public Enemy on repeat. That's it. That's it. Oh. Yeah. I was going to say that time Judgment I was Night. closed. I, I was Judgment closed Night. Judgment Night. Yes, that's another one. Judgment Night was so big for that. Del, Del is on Judgment Night and it blew my brain out. Like yeah. the whole thing is the whole thing is a masterpiece, but his track is pretty great. Nice. He, that's, he dropped that's Kitty so Pride crazy. from the X Men in the rhyme. I was like, Ooh, Dude, see, you hooked me man. in. That's it. I'm in. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> see, like, yeah, Dell was he was so many kids' connection to like nerdy stuff. He was, you know, this nerdy outcast kid who just really knew how to rhyme well and uh and would always put his influences you know kind of on his sleeve and that's where what i kind of learned from him was like yeah and the things that you love like make that a part of what you do like why not and yeah just he's one of the best at it what i loved about him was there was no apology it wasn't like i'm a nerd i'm just trying to do my thing it's like no here's my song no, no questions, no anything. It's he he did that song just like he was walking down the street, like he did it every day, even though Absolutely. he was doing the very as you put it, I would completely agree. It was the very first nerdcore song and probably still one of the best, unfortunately, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I want to ask you about one more song and then we will let you go and I'm going to go eat dinner. Okay. My wife actually made dinner tonight, so that's like works out really well. Another collaboration song. Your collaborations with MC Lars go back forever. And my love of Edgar Allan Poe goes back forever. And I'm going to ask you now about The Mask of the Red Death. That comes out in my ears right before or right as the pandemic comes. Because as I said, I only buy vinyl. I did do the Kickstarter for digital. I think I might have heard it once and just let it go. When the vinyl came out on Needle Juice, I got the uh, black and white and red all over edition. And when Red Death comes on, which is one of my favorite stories by Edgar Allan Poe, because I like, you know, the very unfamous Edgar Allan Poe stories that nobody's ever heard of, like that one. And his his verses describing having the party and then your verses describing being the virus to me, and this is blasphemy, but I mean it, that's the definitive version of The Mask of the Red Death for me. Mm. I still get goosebumps every time I hear that song. When I get to the mic check, one, two, one, two, I pull my hoodie down. Mm. Every time my whole body drops at that moment. Wow. Tell me something about that that I don't know. I mean. Uh, we recorded that song in Brooklyn uh, at my friend's Brownstone. Uh, and we both, we read through the poem like three or four times. And it was Lars's idea. And I'm I'm so glad he was brilliant he, with coming up, like being like, oh, this is something we need to talk about. You know, and he's the Poe guy for sure. But my favorite Poe track, we are, my Poe piece, we already done a track about, which was, um, Telltale Heart. Telltale. Yeah. So that was one that I first read on the SATs. And uh, and I remember just it stuck with me forever. Like just being like there were like five questions on my SATs about Master the Red Death um, or about um, Telltale Heart. So this one was perfect. Like he's like, OK, being this big party, 
being like you personifying the disease, the virus, and just really, um, and then also turning into a waltz. So there was so many different stylistic choices that I'm just super proud of about that song. You know, we made it a, a three, four waltz kind of cadence, which is something that neither of us do a whole lot of. But taking that, like being, you know, these rich kids are having this blast and they're not inviting the virus, but virus is going to is going to just take over the show anyway, you know, by being the special guest MC. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of that was Lars's just brilliance and, and just vast knowledge of Poe that um, that brought that concept together. But um, I'm super proud of those the the lyrics and so many things. I, I made a wrestling reference in there uh, about the Miz, who's like a wrestler who's like an A-list celebrity kind of wrestler. So it's like, man, the Miz even got an invite, you know, like all these like famous people got this invite. And yet I didn't get the invite. And I'm like, oh man, I'm the uncool kid. But also, you know, once I pull the hoodie down, let the plague out all the doors of bars, there's no ways out, you know, blood spilling like a river flow. I'm gonna show you how to kill the show. You know, it was more like, oh man, it's just a really great moment. Like, I feel like there's so much like visually, like there's, there, I was able to paint a picture with the, with the words in that song. And, um, and you can see it all happening. Every time I listen to it, I, I feel the same way you do. I'm just like, yeah, you know, blood spilling like a river flow, ah, you know, get them, you know, I'm just like, I get, I get that same feeling about it. Like it's, it's a really special song. It's my favorite song from that album by far. Mine too. Did nice. you ever do that one live? Maybe one or two tours. Not a lot, though, because I, if I wanted to do it live, I would really want to like be in a hood, make sure that we were in costume and like really, really make it a production. So I don't know if we did that much, maybe once or twice. Very cool. Very cool. I, well, I, I have two last points and oh. I'm going to let Nick take us home and say that. Mask of the Red Death is also my favorite Poe poem. And I if you're see. eight or nine years old and you have a chance to see the Vincent Price movie version of Mask of the Red Death and see a buxom woman burn an upside down cross into her chest, hail Satan and do it by all means. And then, wow, this got finally, weird. yeah, finally, by weird. I mean, normal. Yeah, finally, I'm going to just put this into the universe and say that, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we're big fans and I think you're phenomenal. I would love to see. Epic Rap Battles of History get you to do anything. They did oh Edgar Allan Poe versus Stephen King, which was incredible. Watsky yeah, versus MC Napkins, right? And uh, I want them to bring you in for anything, something. I'm going to tag them. I'm going to put it into the universe. I'm a huge Put it out there. Guy. Put it out there. I've done a show with them um, at a convention in Chicago. And I really love those guys. So I really hope it can happen sometime. I hope so, Nick. Yeah, please take put that us in the, Put that in the universe. All righty. We're going to need some audience participation on this one. Thank you, Keefe, for being here every week. You know I love you as much as I hate you. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm riffing. I'm riffing. Uh, Megaran, thank you very much. I have been a fan of yours for a long time, and I did not complain. I was professional by not putting your records up behind my head because I am definitely a professional, not just a, a high-ranking amateur. 
As always, we say thank you very much for joining us. If you could take three seconds and put a star, three seconds and do a share, three seconds and do anything, because our fans and listeners are the everything about making this grow bigger and grow more wonderful. As we say every week, this is the Glacier Musical Podcast. It does not play in Peoria, but I think Mega Rand does. <laughs>